Blog Talk Radio. Good morning. Good morning and welcome to Blog Talk Radio. You are okay with Mara and Bob. Bob Good is Good morning. Yes. Bob is calling in from New from excuse me, Washington DC and I am calling in from Colorado Springs and I get to run the switchboard again today, which is kind of a fun venture for us. Uh I'm a little daring at times, so we're gonna try some background music today and see what happens. Um I want to tell you that we are both in marveling at the fact that we can both be in hotel rooms and do this radio program. What you're hearing behind us right now is Bamboo's Desert. Bob, I would like for you to start off by telling us a little bit about what you've been doing in Washington, D.C., my goodness. Oh, I was here for a conference for several days, left last Sunday. I want to say Happy Mother's Day to everyone and to you. To you also. Well, not to you, for your mother. (laughs) Okay, (laughs) Sorry, Sorry, that didn't even make sense. (laughs) And but had a conference this week that I had a couple, four presentations to do at and decided to have my friend come up for and hang out for the weekend. And we decided that we would go to the Holocaust Museum yesterday. And it's beautiful, even if for nothing else, it's just a beautiful museum and its architecture and the way that it was built. But very... Very interesting museum to go to, very a place that you leave and just makes you think about how we can be mean to each other and do things that, that humankind does to others. And also gives you this sense of, kind of makes you somber to think about what, what we have done to others and how we, why we do that. And it's, you know, basically because we don't think that we're good enough, so we blame it on other people, I think, as you and I have spoke about this morning. And I think yeah. that's so true, is that you think that, you know, hey, I'm not good at this, so let me blame someone else. And it goes back to one of your passages from a few weeks ago, which I've used so many times over the last couple of weeks, which is, blame does not solve problems. No. No. I actually used it a couple times in my presentations in the last week. Wonderful. Oh, my gosh. That's wonderful. You know what's so wonderful about that, folks? We'll go back to the Holocaust Museum in a moment. But what is so absolutely important for all of us to remember is that every time we react in kindness to other people, every time we choose not to blame but to resolve, we are propelling this revolution of love around the world. Other people, it just it just goes like a domino forward and forward and forward and it's not about oh my gosh we've got a 2,000 people listening to this program all we need is one just one and so that is to me the message is not how many students we have but how many masters of love we have who are joining our revolution and so I am just um in awe that you're using that because to me that's such an important passage and this last week as I talked about on Friday I had some blaming moments and I really needed to get out of those I called that my hot week and so I that's good to hear so now with regard to the Holocaust Museum maybe you might want to fill some of our listeners in about it not to say that y'all don't know what it is but instead um there's a lot of confusion about the Holocaust, and uh, it's a terrible, terrible tragedy and inequity to really um, a faith that is um, calls God Yahweh. We call God love. Um, the uh, Islam's, people who remember the Islam faith call God Allah. It's all the same place, as Mahatma Gandhi told us. We're all striving to rejoin the same light. And the thing about the Jews that so many people don't know because they're so judgmental is that even though they may be successful, that arises many times from a sense of community, a commonality of interest. And yet, even in their commonality of interest, in their community, 
they are the ones who fund, for the most part, the NAACP on, on occasion. They give money. They are the ones who t- almost totally fund the ACLU. They advance human rights. Do you know that the ACLU, and I will f- use this to segue back into Bob telling us about the museum, but the ACLU defended the rights of the Klan to march in a parade in Skokie. Hmm. Because the question becomes, how would I like to be treated if I was in that place myself? These commandments we share with the Jews and with, and we also share with members of who follow the message of Muhammad. And we also share with people who are Hindu and Buddhist and all other, although Buddhism is more of a philosophy of life. But all of the thing is, how would I want to be treated? And first of all, I think most of us would want to be treated peacefully, but I think that it, and for the ACLU to sponsor the Klan marching in Skokie is truly a reflection of the beauty of the faith of the Jews. They would want to be able to march in the streets. I wonder how we would react, even today in today's world, even in the United States, if Jewish people chose to demonstrate as a group in honor of their faith and belief in love. So the whole. Thank you. And yet they defended the right of really what I consider to be the uh, epitome of hate in our country, the Klan, although I know it has many different faces. But they defended the right of the Klan to deliver their message, embracing others. That's how, that's how important it is to them to know that, yes, we all have rights and we are all, we are all one in, in some common denominator and that you know, we have to be able to show in solidarity with everyone, no matter yeah. whether we think that that's hateful or not. Exactly. Exactly. I don't it makes them a much bigger person to be able to say, you know what, you're right. Even though you're pronouncing hatred, why should we not allow you to profess what you profess? Yes, exactly. So now tell us, um, you also went someplace other than the Holocaust Museum, but tell us about your feelings as you were walking through that museum. You know, there were times, MJ and I both said that you walked through the museum and there's a lot of things, you know, we've all been exposed to the pictures. Yes. And I think we've all kind of become numb to the fact of seeing, you know, thousands of dead bodies laying outside of a train or mm-hmm. things like that since we've seen them since we were kids. And, yes. Or, or young adults, at least, that we've, we've, you've, I think you've become numb to that. But once you start reading the history and, you know, seeing they have a, a an area for children, and it's called Daniel's story, and it was Daniel as a child, and it takes you through the house that he lived in when he was before the Nazis came and took them into a, a ghetto, what their home looked like in the ghetto, not a home, just a little room with the bathroom and the kitchen and the beds all there in one spot, and then through what it was like in the concentration camps and... It's through the eyes of a child, yes. and it's just disheartening and kind of that's the area that it really hit me the most. And then, you know, that's one area, and then the main exhibit is you'd go up three stories or four, and they, and you go up, and it just takes you through a history of it all. And it's, I don't, I think you, you know, until you go and you read, I mean, there's no no way that we read everything that was there. We'd have been there you know, a long time. We were there a long time anyway. We'd have been there a lot longer. And there were a lot of people. Yeah. The Just some of the things I don't think that we understand how far-reaching that it really was, that it, how far into Europe that this was spread out. I think, you know, we mostly think of Auschwitz and we think of it being the Polish and the, and the Germans that were... Mm-hmm affected the most when in reality you know it went down to italy it went up into denmark even everywhere and then the gypsies it wasn't just against jews it was against the gypsies it was against anyone that had anything wrong with them so anyone that was mentally retarded or was had any type of illness or anyone that was homosexual 
Yes, yes. I mean, it was really a judgment, a man judgment of others and and deeming those who are different uh, to be unworthy of life. Now, in the end for those people, that they returned home to God. And so for their souls, they had a journey where they gave sane people an opportunity to make a choice in love. Folks, we don't have to tell you how sadly those sane people failed. And I, you know what is interesting, um, and I, I'm probably going to go very woo-woo right now for some of you. My kids go, oh, no, not woo-woo, Mom. But I, um, I have a distinct memory. I guess people talk about having had prior existences. I have a distinct memory as a child of myself as a child dressed in clothes of the 30s and with a big yellow star on my coat. That memory is as true to me, and I wasn't alive during that time, but that memory is as true to me as anything, any memory I have in my existing life. It is part of my cellular memory, my spiritual memory. And I saw them, a man with a very long beard that was a white beard that I called grandfather shut, just shut. And then I was scooped up and put into a truck. And at that point, the only memory I have is gone. I, I have no other recollection of that life. And what is telling to me about that is that cellular recognition for me makes me look at people with love, knowing I need to lead with love. And I'm always so sad and when I don't. But it also tells me that just having that memory, I have known since I was almost, almost since I was born, I am different. And I have always had a lingering fear of being, and no longer, I've let the fear go because of what I just said to you a minute ago, those souls passed on to God. I don't have that fear if someone kills me because I'm different. But I recognize at a cellular level that believing as I believe, believing that love is the answer, believing that everyone is loved by God, and now taking up the mantle and saying that is the truth everywhere I go, wearing Buddha beads, a mala bracelet, making a point in my life makes me vulnerable to being judged by other people and killed and killed. And that's what we're about, folks, is ending the killing of those who are different, like those that Bob saw. Right, like those now in Darfur and those yes. that, you know, the genocide that there's been just over my lifetime in yes. Rwanda and in Croatia and Bosnia. Yes. Just be, yes. because of religious differences or yes. what there was also a movie that was talked about genocide and what it, 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 it there were two people there one was a woman who had helped children uh get new identities and be uh adopted if you will by christian families during um the holocaust mm -hmm. and then another was a gentleman who was guarding children in his orphanage in rwanda and he had Hutus and Tutsis both in his uh, <clears throat> orphanage and when they would come and want to take away the children that they wanted to kill he would say well you know they would ask you know would who of you the Hutus to go to one side and the Tutsis to go to another side and the children and he kept reminding them you're all the same you're all the same and that you can't t you couldn't tell by looking at them who was who so they wouldn't have known and in the end the children there and the people were were eventually saved and not, but it was, you know, really was the man was saying, as you know, we are all the same and we are all enough and why do you want to kill and just these little kids. Yes. It just breaks your yes. heart when you think that, you know, people could kill little children because of, you know, they haven't even had the opportunity to make a choice to, to follow a certain religion. They certainly didn't have the choice to be, you know, nor had anyone to be born into a different race. Yeah, I mean, we don't have, there are things we just don't have control over and that is the family that we are born into. Now, 
I will tell you that uh, there is an element of control in that if you are coming to this planet uh, with very heightened six senses, you know, to give, to deliver the messages, you do need, your soul recognizes it needs to be born into a family where you're going to be able to vibrate enough to feel the universe around you, to feel love around you most of the time when you're not blocking it out. You know, so Wayne Dyer, you know, he selected, the, his soul selected that body, that family, that genetic structure. Bob, your soul selected yours. My soul selected mine. And so on some level, we do select the life experiences that we choose to have. We once again, back to that little angel story, we select the family to be born into where we will be able to provide others the lessons that they need to have or they choose to have in order to grow toward the light. And we, in turn, will be provided those opportunities that will challenge who we are, our, our love, that will challenge the love aspect of our nature. So there is that control. I guess... I've kind of gotten to the place where when we say we're all the same, yes, that is true. But some people have agreed, some souls have agreed to come and provide life choices to sane people who are acting insanely. Mm-hmm. And it's, it's like, wow, what a phenomenal Phenomenal thing. Now, you said you went somewhere else. Where else did you go in Washington? We, all, we also went to the World War II Memorial. <clears throat> wow. Did you guys go see the wall? No, we didn't. We had been there before. We'd been there before, so we didn't go to the Vietnam Memorial. We went to the World War II one this time. Last time we were here together, they were building it, so we wanted to go. And I had seen it once since then, yeah. but... So what does this tell us? We have all these memorials to death and destruction, and when are we going to do one to love? You know what? I'm going to tell you, folks, I saw this thing about, uh, what's her name? Is it Jenna Bush, who just got married down in Texas? And apparently in her hometown, they have this beautiful angel at the front in their town. They have like an 18-foot-high metal angel. Oh, wow. I didn't know that. I didn't either. We need to start celebrating some love, my friends. Let's let's as we're doing this revolution, as we're we're beginning to create love and a movement of love, as we're joining with those who are already espousing it. We don't have to be masters of it. We don't have to be the leaders. Let's just be a part of it. Let's start looking for ways to celebrate love, but not sec- not um, churchy ways like cathedrals that are made out of glass that only celebrate love in one way. Let's look for something that expands the consciousness so that we celebrate love for all times. For anyone who comes to it, that they will be immersed in the love of that moment. Anyone will feel love there. That needs to be our memorial. And maybe someday we need to figure out. We've got, Bob and I have a foundation. We just need to get it going. Maybe that will be the objective, to build a memorial that embraces all faith, all people. Those there have been, you go. Yeah. Those who have been rejected. It's a great idea because we've never talked about what we were going to do. <laughs> no. I think so. I think we need to build it, and we need to build it big and someplace. Lots of people go, and you may just be in that place. I don't know. I don't know. I'm here in Colorado Springs this week. Well, you know what's interesting about Colorado Springs is I'm always amazed at, um, for those of you who are listening from Colorado Springs, please don't take this as a judgment, but there's just so much judgment here. You know, and there's so much right thinking, and and you need to be inside this box and be moving in this right way. Not for me, I, you know what? Because I tell you what, guys, I'm uh, I'm white. Uh, I've got blue eyes. I have all of the traits that mean that I don't experience a whole lot of uh, rejection and judgment and pain. And I've got well, I've got the credentials and all of the stuff that one needs, and I talk okay. 
So, you know, when all is said and done, people don't treat you poorly. But there's a lot. It's interesting. There's a huge energy here. In fact, had Bob not been in Washington, I would have done my program from outside because I sat outside this morning and I loved it. But amidst that, amidst, it's like if I were describing it, and if I would describe the energy as this iridescent, beautiful light, it's like floating through it is the negativity black of judgment. I could never, I, I, would, I would be constantly, constantly breathing three times if I lived here a long time. I could not retire here. It's, it's just very interesting to me. And yet you know that this is the situs of many many uh, missionary um, outreach programs for some very fundamental things, which are very large in our country. And I don't judge them. Whatever way takes them to the light. I just don't see that my feeling toward them comes back toward me. Does that make sense? Makes sense to me. (laughs) Yeah. It's it's okay for them to be... uh, who they are, I embrace that. Whatever takes them to the light. But if I want them to say that about me, then I need to get in their box, and I'm just not proposed. I'm just not prepared to do that anymore. So it's kind of an interesting, energetic experience here this time. But I'm loving it. My granddaughter's graduating on Tuesday from high school. Can you believe it? That tells you how old I am, folks. In case you haven't guessed, I'm 59 years old, and um, you know I am. I'm happy. And Bob is a mere child. Bob, what are you, 36, 35? I'll be 37. Okay, he's 36. <laughs> you know, how funny, amazing. It's funny, funny you bring up age. That's, uh, that's been something I've been not, not, I shouldn't say struggling, maybe struggling a little bit. Is I have a lot of gray hair for my age, I think. He does. And I was working with a client not too, a couple weeks ago, and he mentioned in one conversation that he had gotten married in the early 70s, around the time that I was born. Yes. And a colleague was with me, and a couple times he made comments like, well, you wouldn't remember this, but Bob and I are about the same age, so, you know, we're, we're still going to remember, you know, which would mean that, you know, he was 20 years older than me. Right. Or that I was 20 years older. And I get this a lot, and I've always looked older than I am, and I decided... <laughs> I was talking to, uh, we had a friend in for the weekend, uh, last weekend for a couple of days, and she's a hairdresser, and I said, you know, I wish, wish my hair could go all white, and she goes, oh, your hair could do almost anything except what you, how you'd want it to look all white, mm-hmm. and I said, well, what, what could we do, and I have always said my whole life that I would never dye my hair, Yes. never say never, folks. <laughs> yes, so did you do it? Uh, I'm platinum blonde. <laughs> oh, so am I. So much. That's what I want to go on with. Bob, isn't that amazing? <laughs> isn't that hysterical? It is. Oh it's my funny. lord! Because Bob that and I are on. Oh, Bob and I are a partnership. I mean, we are a partnership that was grounded before he was born, and I mean, we've been partners before. I I I don't mean to make you guys all wacky out there, but come on. You know, don't you ever remember something from some time that just doesn't make sense? Don't you ever walk into a place and you go, whoa, I have been, been here, here before. Absolutely. Yeah. Well, you sure have. And I was actually, um, what is that place? There were several places in Rome. I must have had a lot, either one long life in Rome, or um, I've been there lots of times that I just, when my body would start vibrating with memories. And uh, but see the thing about it, folks, is I'm not I'm not going to chase those memories. One time I shared some memories with someone. The next thing I know, he's out there doing historical chase to prove that I was either right or wrong. Proved I was right and scared the you know what out of me. So um, the Bob, <laughs> I mean, he's just like whoa, okay, I believe in this. But Bob and I. We've been we've been partners before. We were destined to find each other. We were destined to do this program, and we are destined to deliver to this. To be platinum blonde. And to be platinum blondes. I can't believe it. How my how I amazing. It's, it's oh, I, ain't, I can't wait to see it. Different the 
And, you know, most people say it looks good. You never know if people just tell you that or not. I like it. That's all that matters. Hey, it's it's just and, about you. It really is. And, you know, that's what we're going to talk about today, guys. Uh, we're, going to, we're now going to move into uh, less uh, talk and, uh, well, it's always talk, but uh, we're going to get a little more focused on our topic today, which was uh, pray for you and do for others. And it's loving others as you love yourself. Uh, many times you'll find that when we are talking, we as we talk, I will notice that Bob starts hedging. Now Bob is a minister's son, so he's a you know I guess they call those PK pastor kid. So yeah. and his and his dad was actually a very very and probably still is a very respected minister who had an itinerant type route, and so in some ways a very fundamental component to uh, believing. And one of the things that many times is taught in Christian churches is you need to pray for others, never for yourself, basically. If you pray for yourself, that in itself is a what, Bob? Sin. Sin. And so, I also grew up Catholic, so you add those two together, and wow. Yeah, that, what a... <laughs> it, makes you, it makes you feel guilt, and it makes you feel... I really do feel that way, that I don't ask much for myself, usually if I'm, I would ask more for others than of myself. And when I do ask for stuff for myself, it's usually silly, stupid things. <laughs> mm-hmm. Exactly, exactly. So what we're going to do today is we're going to talk about that because I, I sometimes catch Bob hedging back. He'll, he'll make a pronouncement that is so wonderful and says, you are valuable, you are enough, you can have whatever you want, ask for it. And then he'll say, but of course you have to work, and of course you shouldn't really ask. He'll say something that pulls back the message that he's given. And so today this program's for Bob. We'd love to have you call in. We're going to do a medi- uh, just a little breathing exercise. Bob will lead us through. Uh, the call-in number is six. 646-595-3584, and I'm going to try one more time to do it behind the scenes. Hopefully, I will succeed. The music, while Bob is leading us through the meditation, is going to be from the Quiet Mind Project. Remembering that's from Rudy Tanze and Yo, and it's going to call And Delusion. And so, um, Bob, uh, if you would begin us with our meditation or actually our breathing process today, I would really appreciate it. Thank you. I will do that. Thank you. So I don't have the normal centering exercise that I do with me. I forgot it for some reason. must be fate. But if everyone would just concentrate on your heart, concentrate on listening maybe or feeling your heartbeat and just maybe wonder about the how it is that our heart beats and what that does to keep us alive all day long and just kind of center yourself there thinking about your heartbeat and feeling your heartbeat and feeling love and feeling projecting love out from your heart to to yourself first and then to those around you and then out more into the neighborhood and then into your community and into the world and extend that love throughout the universe and now that we're centered let's all breathe together let's stand or sit quietly in a calm state or lie down and just breathe in very deep breaths and pull the air up through your feet and pull the air up in through your body and into your torso and fill those lungs with air Fill them up, fill them up, fill them up, fill them up. And exhale, and as you exhale, blow the air out through your mouth and blow out all of the air from your lungs. Blow out all of the negativity that's been trapped there. Blow out all of the inert air that has been there in your lungs that you have had there from not breathing deeply. As you exhale, just feel comfort come over you. Feel love come over you. And again, let's pull in deep, big breath of air, listening to the beautiful music there. And just let's pull in that air together in a few seconds. We'll exhale. 
with the music, continue breathing, sing thoughts of love, sending love to all those around us, sending love to the families and victims of the earthquakes in China and the storms and things in, in war. Finish out the breathing, listening to the music today. reach out our right arm and I'd like you to feel the energy in your hand as you connect with those who are listening now and those who will be listening in the future because we are all connected at all times really so feel the power the energy of the others who are listening enter your body feel your hand become alive feel your palm begin to vibrate with the wonder of recognition of those who are listening with us, knowing that we are here at this appointed time exactly as we should be. There is no doubt, no question that we would be here now, and we are. Now, reach out your left arm, and let's complete the circle of love as we all hold hands and we join together and feel the energy circling. Feel it come around, full circle around and go through your left hand. And feel the sensation of that and say, this is where I am supposed to be right now in this moment. And now let us thrust back our shoulders holding hands and let us let a beacon of love come from our hearts as we join together to send loving energy around this planet. Let it enfold and encase, encase everyone, encase each city, encase each building, encase each person because they are worthy and they are enough. Just the way they are right now. Let us set aside judgments and relieve ourselves of the crippling burden of thinking that other people need to be whom we want them to be. Let's release all of that negative energy and instead allow our beacons of light to shine so that our entire planet is full of the loving energy coming from our combined whole. Now rejoice in that feeling of oneness with others. And let us say together three times, I am enough. I 
am am enough. enough. I I am am enough. And now let us say together either Om or Amen or Tao or whatever word you want to say to join us together in the holiest of whole words, the Ah. Most people don't realize that Ah is in every religious word, every religious, excuse me, name given for love. Love. God. Yahweh. Allah, Buddha, Aum. Namaste, my friends. We salute your inner divinity. Now today, we are now back on topic, talking about... Loving others as you love yourself. Perhaps one of the most difficult things for us as human beings is not to incorporate into our being the judgments of others which make us inadequate, not enough. We listen to their condemning words. We are afraid of sinning. Sin is created, uh, this idea that there is some perfect standard that we have to live by. And if we step outside that box, we are sinful. We are unworthy. We are unworthy of God's love. We are unworthy of other people's respect. And it creates kind of this delusional warp that wraps us all around, a warped sense of self. And people think, if they really knew who I am, they wouldn't like me. And then, because I'm not worthy, we embrace the idea that we should not ask for things for ourselves. So, Bob, what I'm going to invite you to do is talk a little bit about how it is that you came to believe that asking for yourself was a sin and why it's still a part of who you are. Well, I think I'm not exactly sure that I can answer that question altogether, but it's kind of, I guess, just part of the dogma that I was taught as a child in Catholic religion. And then later on, you know, in in a non-traditional, non, uh, what do they call it even? We can't remember. Non-denominational faith that we were brought up in later on, you basically it was part of you part of the teaching was is that you don't you know you should love your neighbor as you love yourself and you should want more for other people and you should you know just praying for god to give you something is sinning or to pray for the lottery numbers or you know anything like that was a sin and a lot of times i think there's things that you hear when you're a child you know, I guess the the best example of that is you hear people say, "Oh, I didn't want to cry." I, I always said when I was a kid, I was never going to be my mother. And they'll, you know, later on in life, everyone kind of comes back to, "Yeah, well, I said it, but yeah, I am kind of like my mom, or kind of like my dad." And you know, we all have those moments. And I think you know there are things that are just instilled in you that are hard to to get out, I guess. It's something that, that that we struggle with, something that we have to work with it all, all the time to for some of us. Me and too. Me even too. Even though even though, you know, i I'll I may say, you know, I may ask for things, that's usually silly things that would probably happen anyway, then you know, I don't usually ask for those big things or focus on those too much kind of thinking. Also, I guess, as, as a lot of people will say, is, you know, if you you can over-try. Yeah, yeah. You know, um, I'm not sure about the dynamic of how it gets into us. I do know that it's something I heard from the pulpit uh, as a kid, and I, I also was raised in 
not Catholic, but very fundamental, although kind of a, a two-way street, a very fundamental Baptist kind of look at Christianity. I started singing in the church choir when I was two. My grandma insisted. <laughs> she insisted they let her. I can still see it standing there, my having my audition. <laughs> I hope it doesn't sound too loud. <laughs> I was really short. <laughs> At two years old, wow. <laughs> I know. And they they just were they just resisted the idea and she insisted and I think my uh I think it was just the church children's choir, of course, but just two years old was not the right age. And I was feeling all of the conflicting emotions. You know, my grandma believed that I should do it, and yet, on the other hand, these people who were really very smart and dressed much better than my grandma thought I wasn't up to it. And mm-hmm. so I, I was a scared. I was scared. A scared. That's probably the right word, a child's word. I was afraid. And uh, it it always amazed me, uh, but I only did it because of the fortitude of my grandmother. Uh, I resisted the judgment and uh, belted out, Jesus loves me. <laughs> <laughs> really short and blonde. <laughs> Platinum, I think, in those days, too. And how oh, funny. And... Um, you know, the the rest was history. I got to go up there, couldn't read, had a real good memory for words. And so uh, kind of once again, cellular thing, and was part of that little choir. And, of course, you know, they don't sing complicated songs, and so it really worked out okay. But um, so I would sit there and, you know, through the whole hour service. It wasn't like nowadays where kids uh, get to be there part of the time. And And I would hear this, and I became very fearful of God. God was a, um, you know, and I became convinced that I had to live some sort of perfect life. And you know what, folks? That's an impossible standard. That's an impossible standard to be perfect. And so I was always a failure, which therefore affirmed my sense that I wasn't enough. And and I think that's what religion does to folks is it it makes you feel that you're not enough because how could you possibly be, be enough if you can't live to that moral and moral standard that they've set that's so high that not even that not even them, that not even the priests or anyone themselves or anyone can possibly meet those impossible expectations that they put upon you. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. The, and it really is the church that's putting it upon you. If you were to yeah. read any of the scriptures, the scriptures are there as a guide, stories. Mm-hmm to tell you how to live, but they're also, in my opinion, you know, they're outdated. You have to look at things the way that the world is now. And yeah, yeah, yeah. And they're written by... Put it in perspective. Yeah, and they were written... Uh, folks, you know, I mean, we're not trying to put away, put aside your faith. Please, you cling to whatever takes you to the light and makes you feel good about you. But I will remind you that Mark, in Mark... I, I used to have a committed to memory, and uh, I'm afraid I have too many laws in my head uh, anymore. I don't rely on my head to tell me any law, uh, whether civil or clerical or, you know, religious. But um, in Mark, uh, Jesus is recounted. They ask, what are the most important commandments? Love, love God. Love thy neighbor as thyself, right? Yeah. First one, love God with your heart, your mind, and your soul. And you know what, folks? I'm going to tell you something that um, that I may not have felt that I was worthy of God's love back, which is interesting, huh? Isn't that about praying for yourself, asking for stuff for yourself? I may not have believed that I was worthy, but I have always, always my entire life loved God with my heart, my mind, and my soul. From a little baby. One time when I was an adult and I was, I'm a Methodist by Christian faith, and so I would be moving periodically, would move churches as I moved through, you know, college, first job, second job, so on. And I remember, and I and I married this non-Methodist, and so he had to go through a program to become a member of the church, and so then I was invited to go with him, and of course I did. And I can remember uh, them asking me to describe my relationship with God. And I think I used the wrong word. And I'm, then I felt like I was less than. I beat myself about the head and shoulders because I said, 
I have had an intimate relationship with God my entire life. I don't think you tell the preacher that. Yeah, he's like, <laughs> just looked at me in awe, and I could feel the negative energy circle around the room, and I thought, ooh, can't say that again. And so love God with your heart, your mind, and your soul. Now, let's change the word love, uh, God to love. Love, love with your heart, your mind, and your soul. That's number one. And then the second one is do unto others or do for your neighbors. What Bob said, it's all the same one. Do unto others as you would have them do unto you. Love others as you love yourself. Amazing. That's the second one, my friends. That is the second one out of this neophyte um, religion, Christianity. Love others as you love yourself. Yeah, put all of the 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 other stories and teachings aside. That's what it boils down to. And if people were to look at what we're doing with you know, and terrorists and, and mm-hmm. genocide that <clears throat> if they just remembered that or just practiced that, mm-hmm. they it wouldn't happen. And if we love ourselves, then we're worth asking God for something. That's true. And And if we love ourselves, we're worth having something given to us because we didn't do, we didn't fit some prescribed method of being worthy. We didn't work the extra work. Uh, we didn't uh, go the extra mile. We didn't, um, you know, dishonor ourselves by forgetting our value. Now, does that conflict with humility? Humility is a different thing. We can talk about that in a minute. Humility, to me, arises from believing you're equal. Ah, Humility is not, for me, believing that others are superior and therefore I am less than... But that's what it's defined as. Oh, my goodness, Lord, you're speaking this through my mouth. I've never thought about this before. But I think really that is how we define it. I have to walk around acting meek and poor and less than other people to show my humility. If we love ourselves, wouldn't it just be, isn't it enough just to believe I'm no better and no worse? And you're going to treat people with the same respect and to Yes. Maybe you make a, a, a lot of money. You're going to share your money. Yes. You're going to to help those who are in need. Yeah. Do for others. Pray for yourself. It's okay to ask God to bless you with unfounded and un. If you have to use the word deserved, because you deserve everything you get, my friends. Everything positive that comes to you, you deserve. And we're attracting that stuff to ourselves through the whole law of attraction. But believe that you are enough. I feel a fear out there amongst those who are listening. My my throat and my chest feels heavy. And so this program is inviting people to take a step that scares the bejesus out of them. It scares them because it means that they're enough and they cannot, they can say the words, you can say the words in the beginning, but you can't believe them. What a nightmare we have created that people can't believe they are enough right now who they are. Can you feel what I'm feeling, Bob? Yeah. Yeah. It's like I can feel the whole negative energy of people being afraid that if you really knew me, you wouldn't think I was enough. Folks, I have no secrets. You can call this number, 646-595-3584. You can find out all my sins. Bob and I have talked about them before, sins using that word in quotes. I'll tell you everything I've ever done. I'm not ashamed of anything in my life. And we've done it all. And we have done it all. Let me assure you we have. We are here, I believe that Bob and I are a team here to deliver a message that you can have, you can do it all. You could have done it all and you could still be doing it all and you're enough. And we want to get rid of this 
oppressive feeling that goes in and almost makes your throat feel sore and your chest feel heavy. You're loved by God. You're enough. You're valuable. You have a unique radiance. Oh, let us today see more in others than they are showing us. I'm going to and show play. others more and show others more than what you're what you normally would show. Exactly. Act in love. Share what you have. Share what you have knowing that you don't have to hoard it because there will be more because you're worthy. Share it. I'm going to play a little teeny blip here, and then we're going to come back and talk some more. And this is going to be the Quiet Mind Project, Distance Spoke. And while we're doing listening to that, I want you to breathe in, and I want you to, to believe I am loved by love, just as I am. Or if you feel more comfortable, I am who I am supposed to be. Remember the lesson of the little soul. We aren't all here to do great, illustrious deeds. But it doesn't mean that we are doomed forever because we don't do something illustrious. Because those who are doing something less than noble are providing those other people an opportunity to reach out a hand, to lift them up, to believe in their value. As Neil Donald Walsh says, seeing more in them than they show us. They're giving us that opportunity. How many times do you walk by a homeless person? So as you're thinking, I am just whom I am supposed to be. I am enough. I am loved by God, or love. I am loved by love. And let's get the feeling of that coursing through our bodies, and let's breathe in. And I want us all together to breathe out and lift from those of us who are listening that oppressive feeling that's choking them because they can't believe they are enough. So we're going to send our love around the circle of fellowship that we have going here. And we're going to invite everyone to know I am loved by God just as I am. The Quiet Mind Project, very short piece of music. Distant smoke breathing through your feet and lining up your chakras.
Isn't that a lovely piece? It is. That was very nice. I selected it just for you. Why do you think that? (laughs) What about that would make me think, pick that for you? Uh, It was a little racier maybe than I would have picked. Yes, but you know what I did? A little more, a little more, a little more racy than I would have picked, a little bit more, um, what word am I looking for? A little more ups and downs that really kind of reminded me of Tchaikovsky's Sixth Symphony, actually. Mm-hmm. I picked it because of the classical component, because of the, the fact that we need to learn to maintain our peace in the midst of chaos. I always pick Bracey-type music, and also because it was all piano, and I believe, or for the most part, piano, and I know how much you love that. Yes, I do. Yes, and I like that fact that, you know, it does. It kind of shows you that, ooh, that up swing, mm-hmm. and then the, the lull there with the finding finding that lull time, and then the chaos starting again, and boom, being able to knock it back down. Yes, and breathing out, breathing, breathing. out. Oh, my friends. Love others as you love yourself. When you find yourself in the midst of talking and negative words about other people, stop, 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 and say to yourself, mentally, out loud, whatever it takes, don't go into that chaotic thinking. Send them everything you want for yourself. Send them love and believe that you have inside you enough energy, enough value, enough character to make it happen for them. Let it go and let them be positive. Know that the negative behavior you're judging about them is a product of the life choices they are making and reflect judgments about how they should be living. And when we can start looking at people individually, one person at a time, remembering how we would want to be treated in that place, whether it's on the street, begging, How would I want to be treated if I were begging? Not putting a standard on them that they are lazy and they're not doing enough and they're they're not honoring enough. Let go of all of that, friends. Open yourself up and say, I am sharing with you not because it brings me glory, but because it makes me feel good. Bob, isn't that part of that whole message we heard from the pulpit? Don't share because it makes you feel good? Yep, it sure was. Share because you're supposed to. Because that's what you're because that's what you're supposed to do, not because it should make you feel good. Yeah. We need to get rid of this obligatory thinking, folks. Just share because it's your nature. They say it makes you feel better to shop for someone else than for yourself. Yeah. So why should why shouldn't it be that way with everything? Yeah. Yeah, know you're enough. Know you're enough. Because when we have enough of us who believe we are enough no matter what quote sin we have done, no matter what imperfection we have, we will be shaking this planet with the energy of love that we're sending out, the gentleness, the kindness. We will be forgiven ourselves for our imperfections because really we're perfect right now just the way we are to do those things we've agreed to do. I send you my best wishes, and I wish you all namaste for the week that comes. May peace enfold you, Bob. Oh, send love to everyone. Have a great week and do unto others as you would have done unto you and remember to love yourself. Namaste, my friends. Peace be with you.